This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, April 17th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, preparing for the flood. G is for government previews Telluride Town Council. Capital Conversation talks education and a mountain weather forecast. But first, Mountain Village lost a member of its community last week. Jeff Peschel passed away after going into cardiac arrest. He was 60 years old. According to the San Miguel County Coroner's Office, Peschel was in his Mountain Village home when he began to feel unwell and called 911. EMS transported him to the Telluride Regional Medical Center, and it was determined he needed to be transported to the airport for a medical flight. On the way to the airport, Peschel went into cardiac arrest. Despite efforts from EMS and the medical flight crew, he did not recover. The cause and manner of death is under investigation. Crippen Funeral Home will attend to services. Peschel was a longtime local and known to many members of the community through his work at the Mountain Village Market. He is survived by his parents, Gloria and Larry, his brother Kevin, and his children, Jeremy and Candace. Shannon Armstrong wants San Miguel County residents to be safe in the potential case of flooding. We do have a lot of people that live pretty close to the river um, in like the Sawpit area, Fall Creek, Placerville. And so we just want them to be aware that, you know, we're looking at some pretty high flows potentially and to start preparing now for it. Armstrong is the emergency manager for San Miguel County. She says given precipitation levels over the winter, areas of the county could see flooding around rivers and drainages as the spring runoff intensifies. The big picture is that the uh, San Miguel River Basin and actually all of our neighboring river basins here on the western slope, we've all received huge amounts of snow, um, and not just snow, but snow water equivalent. So there's a lot of water in the snow. And we're, the San Miguel River Basin right now is, is sitting at like 188% of median. So there's a lot of snow up there. And, um, you know, as we all know, it, it starts to melt here. Um, and so because we're seeing such huge numbers, that's why we're starting to get concerned about the runoff, and um, experts are predicting that the Spring runoff, not just with the San Miguel River, but again, all the rivers on this side of the on this side of the state um, are going to see pretty high flows. For those who live near the San Miguel River, Armstrong encourages individuals to start looking at ways to protect their homes and property now. If you do live near the river or near a big drainage, is to just go out and take stock of your property and, and to kind of imagine, you know, okay, if we have a lot of water coming down or coming down the river. Where is it going to go? How is it going to impact my property? Um, some things that are pretty easy to do could just be, you know, looking around and seeing if anything needs to be moved. Um, you know, if you have equipment or a vehicle or something that might be in harm's way, just move it. That's one of the easiest things. If you're concerned about bigger impact, she says you can take more permanent solutions. Putting up earth berms or maybe some big rocks to kind of slow that water down. And then the next step would be um, sandbagging. And um, there's kind of a lot that can go into sandbags, um, but some of the biggest takeaways is, you know, there is sand available from local vendors. Um, there's also sandbags available, like at Ace Hardware in Telluride and then also in Montrose. Um, 
And again, you know, if you think it's going to come to that, just start buying stuff now, start preparing now, um, and that'll that'll really set yourself up uh, for success when those flows start rising. River levels typically peak between mid-May and mid-June, but there's no time like the present to start preparing. More information about spring runoff flooding is available at sanmiguelcountyco.gov under the Emergency Management page. Telluride Town Council is back on Tuesday with ballot measures, housing, Marshall Department updates, and the youth hangout on the docket. In this installment of G is for Government, Council Member Geneva Shawnette shares what to expect. Hey Geneva, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Absolutely, let's do it. You start off the morning with two work sessions, both of course are important, but one's going to be a little bit of a deep dive on some housing issues. Can you share what y'all are going to be talking about? Yeah, so um, we're going to start a little bit early at 930 in the morning just so that we can uh, have enough time to cover everything for the day. Um, but first, we're going to hear from the Telluride School Superintendent, um, John Pandolfo, about uh, the uh, potential district ballot measure um, that we might be seeing on the ballot this fall to increase some property taxes for the school district. Uh, and then after that, um, at 10 o'clock and then all the way until lunch, we're going to be discussing the proposed amendments to the Telluride Affordable Housing Guidelines. Um, and this is a topic that I think uh, is super important for anyone who lives in deed-restricted housing or would like to own sometime in the future because it has to do with who qualifies for those projects and who qualifies to stay in those projects. Um, some of the changes include uh, require pro prohibitions of owning a property in uh, surrounding residential property in the surrounding uh, counties or puts limits on how much income um, for a household can be made out of the school district, uh, requiring more, uh, requiring continuing qualification standards like uh, one person per bedroom um, and, and more items like that. Some things that uh, owners might be more excited about uh, include changes to how we uh, allow permitted capital improvements, like if you remodel your kitchen or replace a furnace in your house and that adding to the value of the house when you want to resell. There's a lot of things like that. And anyone who's, who wants to know more should definitely tune into this um, meeting. We want to get as much feedback as we can. We will not be voting on this um, on Tuesday. We are just going to be having a work session and trying to get some more feedback from uh, the community on, on what they think about these proposed changes. That specific work session is going to be the bulk of the morning, but you do have another work session in the afternoon. What's that one looking at? Um, we are going to hear from Josh Compt, our chief marshal, about the 2022 marshal's annual report, just learning what our uh, law enforcement officers have been um, been dealing with this year and just seeing how things are changing in Telluride from, from that front. Uh, and then we have one action item. We will be um, hearing first reading of an ordinance updating our water, um, our water code, water conservation code, uh, having to do with landscaping and 
times when folks can water and can't water and just to to be good stewards of the uh, watershed. Finally, wrapping up the day, as often happens, there's going to be an update from town manager Scott Robson. What are some of the things that he's going to be discussing? So the first one is ballot measure strategy update. We have been exploring whether or not we should go to a ballot measure to try, try and increase some taxes to pay for the wastewater treatment plant upgrades that need to happen. Um, and there's also just a lot of other uh, ballot measure discussions happening right now, both with the fire protection district and the school district. So we will just be hearing um, from Scott about that. And then uh, an update on the town park youth hangout that has been uh, where construction has been a little bit on hold. So uh, looking forward to hearing about both of those topics. Well, it's a full and interesting meeting on Tuesday. And Geneva, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me. No problem. We'll see you tomorrow. Colorado's legislature is tackling issues impacting students and schools. This week on Capital Conversation, KOTO State House reporter Lucas Brady Woods shares the latest. Hey, Lucas, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Thanks for having me. So the first two bills that I wanted to chat with you about both have to do um, with students and education a bit. Um, The first one would actually look at um, addressing swatting calls, which Colorado schools saw a number of earlier this year. Um, What does that bill look to do? Well, it's interesting because I was told by the bill sponsors that they were already working on this bill when there was an incident, I believe in February, where something like more than a dozen schools were called with swatting incidents, which are incidents where where a crisis, maybe an active shooter or a disaster is called in falsely just so that authorities, you know, unleash themselves into these locations uh, for whatever reason. Um, the person, you know, falsely calls this in to, you know, definitely cause chaos for, for whatever reason. And so this bill what it would do is it clarifies that penalties for false reporting also apply to false reporting of mass shooting or active shooter events. Currently, current law includes bomb threats and chemical threats and biological attacks and things like that, but it actually didn't include uh, mention of mass shooters, mass shootings. So this adds mass shootings to that list and, and the, the, punishment for those false reports is a a level six felony in those cases. And there are some clarifications that it would also, um, you know, it it will also garner misdemeanor charges as well, depending on the the resources that are expended and the impact to um, civilians. For example, if it causes an evacuation, that would also add some misdemeanor charges to the punishment. Got it. Lawmakers are also um, continuing to address substance use and specifically how that impacts young people and and schools. Um, What would this bill do? This bill creates a school um, substance use assessment system in a way. Essentially, it would create a standardized system through the Department of Education that would allow schools to identify students with substance use issues and then 
offer a brief intervention and uh, offer them treatment resources. And then finally, obviously, we have been um, checking in with you on um, bills pertaining to reproductive health care, gender affirming care. Um, and there's been some developments with some of the bills going through over the weekend, you said. What's going on there? Well, on Friday, first of all, Governor Polis signed three pretty historic reproductive health care bills into law. They do a variety of things. One would add protections for out-of-state patients who are seeking abortions or gender-affirming care here in Colorado. Another would uh, expand and mandate insurance coverage, health insurance coverage for reproductive health care and sexually transmitted infection testing, and it's specifically meant for people uh, living with HIV. And then a third bill would regulate so-called anti-abortion pregnancy centers, and it would do that by outlawing deceptive advertising from them. And, and these are these are centers that purposefully target people looking for abortions and try to dissuade them from getting abortions. That last bill would, as I said, outlaw deceptive advertising from them, but it would also uh, prevent them from prescribing abortion reversal pill, which is not supported by mainstream science or medicine. Now, that was all passed. Bipolar signed into law on Friday. And late Friday, a Catholic uh, health care clinic that is anti-abortion filed a lawsuit in federal court that this bill was an overreach on their First Amendment rights. And uh, actually, a judge on Saturday morning, a federal judge who was form- appointed by former President Donald Trump, ruled in favor of the clinic and imposed a temporary restraining order on the new law so that it doesn't apply to this clinic. So essentially, they're temporarily exempt from this bill, which which took effect immediately. All three of these bills took effect immediately once they were signed. So, you know, it remains to be seen what the next step is on this. You know, this just happened over the weekend. But, you know, currently, the judge ruled in favor of the clinic over this new law. Yeah, that's very interesting and um, something I'm sure you'll continue following and we'll definitely keep checking in with you on. Um, Lucas, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Thank you so much for having me, as always. That was KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reporting from Denver. A San Miguel District Court judge denied a motion to reconsider a portion of its December 2022 ruling regarding the rezone of the Diamond Ridge property for community housing. In the ruling, Judge J. Stephen Patrick, who presided over the case, stated, in addition to several other decisions, the Board of County Commissioners misapplied the law by spot zoning the property or rezoning to benefit a single landowner rather than the general public. The Board of County Commissioners asked Judge Patrick to reconsider his findings when it comes to spot zoning, claiming the zoning is consistent with certain provisions in the county master plan. Judge Patrick denied the county's motion for reconsideration, upholding the previous ruling. Over 30 community members attended a Roaring Fork School District board meeting last week at the Carbondale District offices. Many asked the board to take action to address the harm caused by the presence of Border Patrol agents at Glenwood Springs High School last month. 
For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Hallie Zander of Aspen Public Radio reports. In March, the Roaring Fork School District partnered with the Carbondale nonprofit Youth Entity to organize a career expo. The nonprofit invited Border Patrol to participate, along with other law enforcement agencies, without informing district officials. Several current and former students of Glenwood Springs High School gave comments last night complaining about the incident. Glenwood Springs High School alumna Martha Neela. Having Border Patrol out of school is extremely irresponsible, uneducated, and wrong. There is no place to gaslight brown students or families when it comes to the lack of sympathy and or education you guys have for a certain group of people that go to these schools. Some requested the board renew its safe haven resolution. Originally passed in 2016, it promises students will be free from the threat of deportation at school. Others asked for a mandatory anti-bias training for Glenwood school administrators. Here's Neela again. But now's a good time to enforce more education on each other to understand how this is problematic as well as to reassure impact the students and families that this will never happen again. It's the time to build new policies and training to assure that the public agreement is followed. Superintendent Jesus Rodriguez issued an apology the day after the incident. In the letter, Rodriguez proposed a series of actions the school district could take to address the community's concerns and said he would wait for feedback before moving forward with any of the strategies. Four out of the five school board members and Glenwood Springs principal Paul Freeman also issued apologies about the presence of Border Patrol agents. Maureen Stepp is the one board member who abstained from signing the board's apology letter. For Aspen Public Radio News, I'm Hallie Zander. The federal government is sending millions of dollars from the Inflation Reduction Act to help with water conservation in Arizona. KONC's Alex Hager reports the Gila River Indian community will be paid to use less water. The tribe is volunteering to conserve more than 100,000 acre-feet of water per year. In exchange, they'll get $50 million annually. It's part of a federal program designed to incentivize less water use and prop up the nation's largest reservoir. The water saved by Gila River will boost Lake Mead by two feet each year. That reservoir is part of the Colorado River system, which is strained by decades of drought and steady demand from the 40 million people who depend on its water. The Gila River Indian community will also get $83 million to expand its water reuse infrastructure. I'm Alex Hager. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 30 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 20 miles per hour. Tuesday should be mostly sunny during the day and mostly cloudy at night. The high is near 50 degrees with a low around freezing. Wednesday, there's a 20% chance of snow showers with partly sunny skies and a high in the mid-40s. Wednesday night should be partly cloudy with a low around 20 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, April 17th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hello, Kodo friends. This is Tiffany Perry Marks. I'm a board member of the Progressive Women's Caucus of the San Juans. The PWC exists to elevate women and shape our community through leadership and participation. It's election season again. That means the PWC will be hosting an informative forum to help you navigate the upcoming special district ballots. So mark your calendar and plan to attend the PWC and Wilkinson Public Library Spring 2023 Election Forum, Tuesday, April 18th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. 
And heads up, the Telluride Fire Protection District and Telluride Hospital District both have elections that could make this less of a sleeper than some other May elections. The fire district is asking for a mill levy increase in order to shift how emergency services are provided in our region. The ballot is your chance to weigh in. The Telluride Hospital District will be making decisions at a critical juncture of the Telluride Regional Medical Center's history, and you have an opportunity to elect its board of directors. These are important conversations that the community should be part of. You'll also hear from the San Miguel County Assessor about changes in tax structure. So become an informed voter. Please join PWC and Wilkinson Public Library at the Spring Election Forum again on Tuesday, April 18th from 5.30 to 7 at the library in the program room. The event is open to all, so please bring a friend. And bring your kids because babysitting and snacks will be provided. Spanish interpretation is also available during the event. And if you aren't sure if you're registered to vote, you can check the San Miguel County Clerk's website. Thanks, Koto. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Koto. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.